You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spate. You can have a seat here. We have a very special guest up here with us this morning. This, as many of you know, is Kristen Wood. Hi, Kristen. You are on church council. What do you do? I am a family medicine doctor. Okay, great. Um, Today we're going to be talking about apprenticeship. And I was thinking of an apprenticeship. I thought, you know what? Residencies are probably... Uh, the biggest form of apprenticeship out there today. And the most sleep deprived. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your training, Kristen. Yeah, so I went to medical school at IU and did three years of residency at Ball Memorial up in Muncie, Indiana. And um, there was the, and still is, the mantra of see one, do one, teach one. So as a med student, you do a lot of seeing you watch the residents, you watch the doctors, you read the literature, you read the studies, um, but your hands-on stuff is really only as good as the residents above you. Uh, but as you move into residency, that C1 becomes more importantly a do one, and your, your interns are really learning how to do what they are head-knowledged trained to do. Um, And then as you move through your residency, as you're an upper level, you start teaching. And so what you've taken in on your intern and early second year, you then impart onto the new coming interns in second year, the next, um, as you end your training, so you're ready to go out and do the real stuff. So interns actually end up teaching other interns. Yep, interns and med students. Wow. So did you feel when you finished all of your studies, I mean, that's a whole lot of studies, were you ready to begin to practice medicine? Well, it is the practice of medicine, right? <laughs> so, yes, but I've continued to practice for the last 15 years. No worries. It's all, it's all good. Um, yes, and I think one of the, the coolest things, and I, I witnessed this just Friday, um, now I teach as well. I didn't include that. I, I spend half my time at the Family Medicine Residency over at Franciscan, and I teach um, the interns through third years and how to do what I do. And one of the things we do is they come and talk to us about patients and say, okay, this is who I just saw in clinic. This is what I want to do with them. And now I'm going to send them on their way. And you say, yes, that's a great idea. Or you say, no, that's a terrible, no, you don't say that. (laughs) But that's an idea that might need tweaked a little bit. And this young man came in and there was a young person that had a skin infection. We won't go into all the details because it's gross, but he wasn't sure there was much we could do for her on a Friday besides just send her out with antibiotics. And And I said, well, why don't you let me go take a look at it? So we looked together, and lo and behold, there was something significant we could do to relieve this young lady's discomfort for the weekend that he just didn't realize he had the expertise and the knowledge on how to do. And so I think one of the cool things about apprenticeship is that there are things out there we don't even know that we can do until we're enabled by our teachers to show us how and to give us the confidence that we can do it. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Let's thank Kristen here.
We have an example of apprenticeship in the New Testament. That example is Timothy in the book of Acts. Now, it's funny, um, you know, I tend to think of, of Timothy, uh, one of Paul's main disciples that, that New Testament says a lot about him. He actually doesn't. He's mentioned maybe seven or eight times. First time he is mentioned is, is here in Acts chapter 16. Now, this takes place just after Barnabas and Paul have completed their, what we call the first missionary journey, a uh, uh, missions tour in which they planted churches. Barnabas was clearly in charge of that. They part ways at the end of Acts chapter 15. They, they split their forces, and Barnabas goes to Crete, his home. Paul goes to Asia Minor, his home. Paul went first to Derby, and then he went to the city of Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Now, his mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey in deference to the Jews uh, he, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. And then they went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger every day. And Timothy was a part of that. Paul in Lystra sees this young man named Timothy. Um, he's attracted to him for whatever reason. Paul says, I'd like him on the team. So he goes and he talks to Timothy's mother, who we find out later her name. Her name is Eunice. He talks to his mother. His mother agrees. And uh, they arrange for Timothy to travel with Paul. Now, Timothy is such an important part of the team that later on, he actually is co-author of five of the books of the Bible. In the books of 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, and 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Paul introduces those letters saying, Paul a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Timothy, write to you, believers in, and then he goes on. Timothy is mentioned five times as one of the co-authors of books that actually end up in the Bible. Then Paul leaves Timothy in charge of the largest segment of the church in Asia Minor, the church in Ephesus later on in his life. The amazing thing to realize is that some 12 years later than this, Paul writes two letters to Timothy directly. Timothy at this point is in charge of the church. He is running the church. And Paul writes him two letters in which he encourages him. In one of those letters, he says this, 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. 
This is 12 years later. And Timothy is still considered to be young. Do you realize what that means? That means that when Paul took Timothy with him onto that second missionary journey, Timothy was a teenager. In fact, he may have been a young teenager. He may have been of the age in which someone seeks out an apprentice. Twelve years later, Paul says, Timothy, you're still young. Paul literally took Timothy on as an apprentice. He wanted to train him in the art of making disciple makers and the art of establishing the church. So how did he do that? What he did is incredibly important and apparently incredibly effective because look at how Timothy turned out. He eventually is running the whole show. So how did Paul train him? What did Timothy's apprenticeship look like? Well, Acts 16, we saw, we, we first met Timothy in Acts 16. We don't hear about Timothy again for a chapter and a half. Four, five, maybe six months have passed by that time. Paul has traveled through Asia Minor. He went on to Philippi, established a church there. He is actually thrown into prison in Philippi. When he gets out, they move on to Thessalonica. And Paul starts a church there. Now, the local Jews are upset by what Paul's doing. So eventually, they go looking for Paul. And when they realize that he wasn't where they thought he would be, they thought he would be staying in the house of a young man named Jason. He wasn't there. So they arrested Jason. His crime being a friend of Paul. <laughs> and Timothy's on that team watching all this take place. When Jason eventually got out of jail, he went and he told Paul what had happened. They move on to Berea. Now we see this, Acts 17 verses 13 to 15, when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea. And by the way, in Berea, they received the word of God well. It was very different from Thessalonica. They caught what Paul was saying and said, we believe that too. I mean, things were working well for them. When some of the Jews in Thessalonica heard what was going on in Berea, they went there and they stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul on ahead to the coast. But Paul left Silas and Timothy behind. Those escorting Paul went with them all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join it. Now you see what's going on? The first thing that Paul does is he lets Timothy kind of sit in the background and watch what's happening. There is a very clear model 
that Paul is following. The first part of that model is for Paul himself to model what he wants Timothy to learn. You might say, I do, you watch. Paul did, and Timothy observed. Now I'm sure in that apprenticeship, there are a lot of times that Paul, after being involved in the ministry, sat down with Timothy and said, Timothy, what did you see? What did you observe? Why do you think I did that? Timothy, what would you have done different? Now, as they went on, we see here in Acts 17 that the time came that Paul said, Timothy, you're ready. We've had a successful ministry here in Berea. I'm going to move on ahead. You stay behind. You stay here. You carry on the ministry. Teach. Make disciple makers. Lead. Empower people. It moved from I do, you watch, to I do, and you assist. Then it becomes you do, and I assist. Do you see how it moves there from modeling to assisting? First, Timothy helped Paul. Then Paul put Timothy in charge, and Paul helped Timothy. Now here in Acts 17, we come to the day that Paul says, okay, I've been helping as you've been in the ministry. Now you do, and I'll watch. And where he watched from was actually a different city. He can be sure he kept track of what was going on. He kept the lines of communication flowing. And eventually the time came that Paul sent some from his team back and said, hey, your time in Berea is done. Come on with me. Come on to Athens. Paul repeats this pattern in chapter 18. He moves on ahead, leaves Timothy and other members of the team behind to carry on the ministry. Paul finishes his second missionary journey, goes back to the church that sent him out, the church in Damascus, or excuse me, the church in Antioch. Uh, then he goes out for what we call the third missionary journey. This time when he goes out, he begins to follow a new pattern. Acts chapter 19, verses 22 and 23. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. After that, he said, I must go on to Rome. So he sent two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. Now, Paul sends Timothy on ahead to start the ministry. He repeats that in Acts 20, verses 4 and 5. Years later, by this time, Paul is now 
in prison, some things he may have been recently released from prison. When he writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 3, he says, when I left for Macedonia, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who, whose teaching is contrary to the truth. We reach a point as we apprentice that the apprenticeship is over. And we release the person for ministry. Now it's, I do, you watch. I do, you assist. Then you do, and I assist you. Then you do while I watch. And now, it's, I release you. You carry on. This is what we're talking about in that one three nine principle. Now the main thing that Paul tells Timothy is make disciple makers. Last week or two weeks ago, we read Second uh, Timothy two two. Uh, Going to read it again. When Paul writes to Timothy, he says the things that you've heard. Uh, uh, you, you've, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Teach these things to trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. What Paul is saying is make disciples who will make other disciples. If you want to learn how to live, love, and go like Jesus, make disciple makers. This is the 139 principle. Find three people you can pour yourself into and quickly release them to go out and find three more so that what once was one now becomes three and very quickly becomes nine. What does it mean for us? Again, it's our desire to see everybody in the church, every committed Christian, to see them identify someone with whom they can connect. Three people that you're praying for right now that you can connect with them, talk about your spiritual life. Together you let each other know what you're doing how your spiritual life is growing, how you can pray for each other. Challenge each other. Let each other know what the problems are in your life and grow together. We want the majority of those people to not be here in this sanctuary today. We want them to be people outside People in your sphere of influence, maybe people that you work with, or maybe neighbors, or maybe family members, maybe just friends that you have. We want you to be reaching out to new people. Find people who aren't going to church. That would be ideal. Find people who today don't have that relationship with Jesus and begin to talk to them. Begin with prayer. Listen to their problems. 
Look for opportunities to share with them and grow together. Find some way you can serve them and share the gospel with them. See them come to the Lord. Then begin to help them grow. Now, in the past, we've talked openly about the content. That's what the content looks like for us. Seven different elements that we want everyone to grow in connecting with each other. We want people to be connected. We want people to know how to pray. We want people to know how to study God's Word. We want people to serve others, and we want them to be about serving others. We want people who will share the gospel, people who will give, Give of what God has given them, both finances and time. We want people who will worship the Lord all the time, consistently, not just on Sunday mornings. This is the content of our pathway to discipleship. So today, we talked about a method. In that method, we start with I do, you watch. Then I do and you help me. Then you do and I help you. We move on to you do and I watch you. Maybe afterward we sit down and debrief how it went for you. And then we release them to carry on. So what does that look like? How do we link these two things up? How does the pathway to discipleship fit with this kind of a model? Let's take a very simple example. Prayer. Prayer is not a normal act. And it's fine for us to say we all need to pray more, but how do we do that? Especially when, frankly, for me, I found it very unnatural. You know how we teach people to pray? We start, I do, you watch. We start by praying in their presence. We have someone that we're trying to work with, trying to help them grow. Make sure you pray in their presence. Make sure that when you are together, there's at least a period of time in which you spend time together in prayer. After I do, you watch. I do and you assist. I pray and I don't say amen and I wait. And if you don't get what I'm trying to say, I look up and I say, hey, it's time for you to pray now. And we let them pray. After we do that for a couple of times, we come together and we say, uh, hey, you know what? We have these prayer requests, these needs that people have. Why don't you start praying? You do. I'll pick up the pieces when you're done. Try to cover everything else. I do, you watch. I do, you assist. You do, I assist you. 
then you do an eye watch. And finally, we release you. That topic has been covered. When we're comfortable with that, it's not that we stop seeing them, but we no longer have to teach them how to pray. Each one of those seven elements, we can do this and more. We are going to come back. We're going to talk about what we need to do together to see this replicated among us, to see each and every one of us with three people that we're reaching out to. And each one of those with three and on and on and on forming a lengthy chain of disciples. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.